0: Oh, hey girl, it's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild, a podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready girl, shit's about to get wild.
1: Being a perfectionist or an overachiever is worn by many of us as a badge of honor. People with these tendencies typically build lives others are envious of. Picture perfect the successful career, marriage, children, and a house with a white picket fence. They have those go-getter, I-can-do-anything personalities. Does this sound familiar? You can trust me. I'm a perfectionist. I'll get the job done for you. You can trust me. I don't fail people. But in reality, it's really a coping mechanism, typically used to shield us from the shame of not being loved or accepted. If we can't earn acceptance and love naturally and unconditionally from the people closest to us, we begin to believe we have to earn it and try harder. Perfectionism and overachievement is really just a false sense of identity or a mask used to construct a life we feel people will like and approve of and therefore love and accept us. This mask can be worn for a long time. Until, of course, it takes such a heavy toll on your physical and mental health that you can no longer keep up the charade. On this episode of Authentically Wild, Christine and I are going to discuss why this is a coping mechanism, what exactly this looks like, and like always, dig deep into our own personal experiences to share our past, and we'll leave you with strategies you can use too to finally take this mask off. Hey, girl. Hello, hello. This one is like pretty much my life <laughs> well no longer but was my life so I resonate very very deeply with this one for sure
0: yeah it's it's going to be interesting to dig into because I think it really resonates for a lot of people and we're going to really dive into what this looks like and we'll provide some some really great tips and tools that we have found that have really been helpful for us
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, in the intro there, perfectionism, overachievement, a lot of the times is is really sort of adorned by society as you can be super successful being that way. It's almost like, oh, you know, people be like, what are some of your weaknesses in an interview? And people always go, oh, like I'm kind of a perfectionist, but like they're sort of proud of it. I used to be that way. And I think... It's, it's actually like a very crippling coping mechanism, which I know we'll touch on in a little bit, but I, I hope this episode really sheds some light on, you know, what this holds you back from, because we think like it's striving for excellence. I just have like really high standards and expectations of myself, but that's not the case. It's actually like you're hiding from a lot actually doing it, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Perfectionism in itself is really just control. And the opposite of connection is control. And so you become so disconnected, I think, with yourself, who you really are mm-hmm. through through this sort of way of living. Just some major signs of perfectionism in case people are wondering, like, well, am I a perfectionist? Like, I don't really care about all the small, minute details. I would say it's, you know, that's definitely can can show up as someone who's like an overachiever perfectionist, but. I think it's really like how you feel about how you're approaching your life, and and some ones I I found just doing some research were you know some major signs of this are if you're driven by anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. worry, right? Hello, like not- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I don't stay up and get that kitchen completely immaculate. Like I won't be able to sleep at night. Like you're, you know, you're constantly full of like, did I do a good enough job? Is this, you know, report from my boss exactly how he'll want it? Like it's fear, worry, base anxiety, lots of those types of feelings. I would say lack of confidence in one's ability. So you're constantly doubting yourself. Is this good enough? Will they accept it? Will they approve of it? which also leads to you being cut off from your intuition, like your, your gut instincts um, and also like seeking validation from others. So again, this is like where perfectionism is, is not you striving for excellence. It's you striving for acceptance and belonging. Mm.
0: You know, it's so funny hearing you say all that stuff because it reminded me of two things. The first was how I used to plan the kids' birthday parties. <laughs> That's a good and one. I would make a list and we would get all the things. I mean, (laughs) Brad always used to be like, but why, why are we getting all this stuff? And I'd be like, it's their birthday parties, right? And it's just so interesting. I I would write lists and like all the food and all, and it was just, it's wild. And then the other thing it reminded me of was when we first moved into our home and I would just keep it absolutely immaculate. And I remember- (laughs) my older sister, Danielle, she's going to laugh at this. It was not kid-friendly at all. <laughs> and this is before we had kids. And I just remember being such a freak about how clean it had to be. I would like wipe down the couches all the time. Like I had no kids at this point. And I, am it's just so funny to look back and be like, wow, like mm-hmm. I was in it and I did not realize it, you know? literally literally I remember like hosting parties and
1: I think one time someone told me yeah if you're a host like everything should be done before people arrive at your home like you know like so I would never be like chopping up things and putting them out while people were coming like everything was done and yeah. I would stay up to like three in the morning if I had to if I was hosting a party the next day just to prep everything and have everything tickety-boo and I would realize after hosting those engagements like did I even really get to interact with people? Mm. No, I was constantly worried about everyone else's experience. And it's like, and I think even when you come to someone's house like that, you can feel it. You're like, can you relax? Because I can't relax if you're
0: not relaxed Yes. You yes. Know? Oh, so, I yeah. know. Yeah. I, <laughs> yes. Not just me, but I know other people as well, where it's like, you feel that, right. And you're like, just sit down and talk and, and, and enjoy. I think the other piece there that it reminds me of is that when you're in it, you're in it and you don't really mm-hmm you can't really see that it's the thoughts of like, Oh, I want to make this experience great for everybody else. And I want to make sure everything is perfect. And I want to make sure my house looks amazing. And, and mm-hmm. so it, the awareness isn't there. It, at least it wasn't for me.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I talk a lot about this like list of success in life. And I think what we're talking about, about parties, and those are like micro examples yes. of, of perfectionism. And I think when we pull back to, you know, like 50,000 feet, Perfectionism, like over the course of your life, typically like a lot of people will have the tendencies to also label themselves as like these overachievers. And they're usually like the perfect friend, the one who looks like they have it all together. Uh, And so, like what I mean, what if I if I talk today about the list is really sort of like grouping, like these achievement milestones together, like we subconsciously abide by this sort of list that's sort of prescribed by society. You know, if we have the perfect relationship, this successful career, the house with the white picket fence, like check, 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 check. We are we are prescribing to this list of the perfect life deemed by I don't even know who, but society mm-hmm. says this is what success looks like. This is the perfect life, and so we'll get into like why people want that, but the, the the coping mechanism piece. But I just remember this was my life down to a science. Like I had to achieve all of these things. And if there was ever a setback, it would almost put me into overdrive. Like, okay, I need to be even more successful now in these other pieces of my life to, to really pull it together. So from the outside, it looks like there's zero cracks in my life. And I think, you know, I bet listeners can resonate that as you go through your life, like that perfectionism is really just this facade and this false identity of creating a life that you think others will like and accept, it actually has very little to do with what you want. And I think that's why when people set out to sort of live their life by this list of what success looks like or or what a good life is, instead of checking in with themselves, like what do you actually want in life? What feels good to you is eventually we crack because like the weight of being so disconnected from authentically who we are eventually breaks us whether physically through like literally health problems or burnout or mentally as well like we have like you know that midlife crisis or midlife awakening as we'll touch on later in the episode yeah Yeah. um like there's such a dissonance there from what you truly want inside maybe subconsciously and you don't even know it Mm. but I just remember like going through my life and being like something doesn't feel right, but I'm doing all the things. Like I've checked all the boxes and everyone else is envious of my life. Why am I not happy with it? Why do I not feel happiness and fulfillment when I have all the things that society says makes my life good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You and I spoke about this a little while ago and I asked you like, do you think people actually realize what they want? Because for me, I thought everything I was doing was what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, I would have those moments of something is missing here, but I didn't know what, like, I, it was like when you get, um, a word you're trying to think of and it's on the tip of your tongue and you can't quite place it. Right. That Mm -hmm. was that feeling I had where it was like, but I'm doing all the things and I'm checking all the boxes, but. There's something like I I can't quite grasp something, but I would just ignore it. I'd push it to the side, whatever, whatever, push it Mm -hmm. to the side. Gotta um, let's book a trip or let's potentially look at um, going away for the weekend or Mm -hmm. let you know. And it's like that distraction or needing more or getting more. And I think it really comes down to awareness, right? Because when I was actually able to sit in some of this stuff and understand what was going on within me, this was all about feeling in control. It was all about feeling in control, which I can now see was a trauma response to all of the things that I had experienced growing up. Lots of, you know, different pieces that were traumatic for me Mm -hmm. and perfectionism, having everything, you know, I think about, again, this example of like my house being immaculate, right? Yeah. That That allowed me to feel in control. God, I I just got this memory that came up of, I remember it was around Christmas time. Max was three months old. So I was like in the thick of like early motherhood and there were ants in the downstairs foyer. Okay. I started Mm. to see that there were ants coming in because it was, it was cold. Like whatever it's ants, like they come in, it was cold. Mm -hmm. I lost it all the intrusive thoughts, my anxiety was already so high. So I just couldn't handle it. And I remember I was saying to Brad, I'm like, the ants are going to come up the stairs. They're going to come into our room. They're going to, and he was like, it's okay. Like it, it's okay. But like mm-hmm. for me, cleanliness was a way that I was able to have control. So that like rocked my world, right? you know? And it's just, it's so wild that, you know, I was, I was able to see that, these little ways that I was able to feel and control the perfectionism, the achievement, right? Mm-hmm. I think about as a kid, I learned that if I did really well in sports, I could be validated, I could feel enough. And I I really excelled in sports. And then into my 20s, this turned into my post-secondary education. And then the list came up of like, get married, get the house, you know, and it's like, it all kind of morphs into something different until you can slow down and stop and, and see it. It's that awareness piece.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, if we dig even deeper than control, what you're trying to control there is not your life, it's controlling to feel love and acceptance because probably yeah. as a child that didn't come naturally and unconditionally, it came through performance, mm. which communicates to us. If I try harder, if I create a life that people like, or at least I perceive people to like, and people to accept, I will be loved and I will belong. And then anything that deviates from that, ants uncleanly has like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All of a sudden we're like, you know, subconsciously, of course, we're not thinking this, you know, Mm -hmm. consciously every day, but I won't be accepted. I won't be loved probably because of some traumatic, either the way you were brought up or a traumatic incident, maybe as a child or an adolescent. And so we control it. We control our life into this beautiful little box that we know it's a prescription for love and acceptance. And so that's, I think why that anxiety begins to flood over small little minute things, because in actuality I think subconsciously to us it's it could be life altering right Mm -hmm. that we have controlled the way we've created and morphed this life where we are loved we are accepted I'm sure when people came over you loved they're like wow Christina how do you keep your house like this it's amazing (laughs) you're like I know isn't it so great (laughs) meanwhile you're like I just was up all night and I'm super stressed more stressed than I've ever been but nobody else sees that
0: yeah they think you're wonder woman yeah and
1: you're now up on a pedestal yeah and like that's that's exactly how I felt too.
0: Well, and you say the love and connection piece and I want to extend that and say safety. It it allowed me to feel really safe. And I can even, I still feel that like if I sit and pause and I remember that feeling of like, after having, I mean, who doesn't like a clean house? I'll be honest. Like I still like, of course It, it feels good, but Like it was deeper than that. It was deeper than just like a clean house. It was like, ah, I can breathe. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, the safety piece as well, like for, for me, uh, one of the, like really reflecting on this, I realized that I was bullied really severely throughout elementary school from like grade three to grade seven. And like, I think for safety, you know, perfectionism as a means of control is really so that we can escape, like, judgment, shame, which are probably feelings, like, especially for me in in those years of my life, like, that I was fully immersed in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember this one time, I think it was like grade five, walking up to this group of girls that I thought, like, we were all friends, we're all in the same class, sitting in this little circle in the grass field. And the gaps like where I could sit all of a sudden kept closing, like, like they wouldn't allow me to sit in the circle. And I just remember it was like this physical example of like, you're completely shut out. You do not belong. You are not accepted. And I remember like many incidents like that, like rumors being spread about me, like I couldn't understand why they didn't want to love me and accept me. And that's all I wanted. It's all I craved. And, you know, it was like this fear, like I'm being judged. I felt so shameful of who I was, what I looked like, my personality, because obviously it had to be me. Like, why, why weren't people accepting me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that's really also like where it can come from is that, is that shame and fear of judgment, like Mm -hmm. of not being accepted and loved. And, you know, for some people it's maybe in their home life, but for me, it was, it was that And with my peers, like my mom was very, very busy. And the only time I got love from her is when I, you know, really like shone bright. Like when I did something amazing or achieved something or got really good grades, I got like a split second of attention and love. And so for me, it was more like control around wanting to create this life that was accepted by people because I think I created a belief that being authentically who I was was not accepted and not lovable.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and what I hear you saying is is like being able to control the perception of how others viewed you. 100%. Yeah.
1: 100%, right? Yeah. Not caring how I viewed myself or how I felt about my own life. And similar to like I was not aware of any of this, right? Mm. I just like went right into, you know, and I think especially because of the bullying I think subconsciously, but I, I can almost like hear my thoughts from back then being like, I'm going to create a life, like so good that these girls are going to be begging to be my friend. Like Mm -hmm. they're, I'm going to be so successful that like, they're almost going to be envious of that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. like that, so like that drive again, comes from like anxiety, worry, wanting to prove myself. Um, So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because when I hear you say that the proving yourself, I definitely like for you and your mom, that was how I felt with my dad as well, is that I wanted to really be able to achieve and do well. And this was sports when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was an area that I felt connected to him. And then when I got into my 20s and I went to post-secondary, like I still remember saying, you know, I tell people that I, I went to Australia after I graduated when I was 18 and people are like, Oh, why did you decide to come back? Like, like sounds like it was so fun. It was so awesome. I was like, Oh, I promised my dad I would go back to school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did. And, and I went back and did post-secondary and, and that was another way for me, I think, to feel connected with him is, is, you know, going to school and, and doing well. And um, yeah, it, it's just so, so interesting how, we have these deeper pieces within us that really are the driving forces mm-hmm. of our actions and behaviors but until we become aware of them and this is why i love doing this podcast is because hopefully this can shine yes. light on if you're listening and you resonate with the perfectionism the achievement like all of that this is this is your cue to kind of start to ask yourself hmm i wonder where this comes from or why i do this right Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I I wish I had heard something
1: like this when I was sort of beginning to become aware, not of like why I was doing it, but of these feelings of, of if I'm building this picture, perfect life, like, why am I not feeling all the feelings everyone else tells me about my life? Like, why Mm -hmm. am I feeling so heavy, so burdened, so drained, Uh, you know, and I just, I never stopped to ask myself that I went, like, I think after the childhood, I had the experience of bullying. I went right from high school into like, I'm going right to college. Like I didn't even give myself the, the travel break. Like that was just, that was never even a consideration for me. It was like, we need to get our life in order and create this like empire for ourselves so that. Like we are never going back to feeling I loved or accepted. We will create this. Like I think subconsciously it was a drive. It was like a trauma drive. I will prove that I have value. I will always be loved and always like cherished, right? And and really, what I lacked there was actually valuing and loving myself because mm-hmm. all I put 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 my like the weight of my life and the value of my life was on externally how others saw it, yeah. Not internally how I felt about it, right? And I think. You know, for the people listening, if I can say anything, it's like stop and evaluate. Like, what do you really want in life? Because so often we go right from trying to impress our parents to impress the world. Like, we don't yeah. take that that second to stop and say, "What do I really want? What do I really value? What's going to bring me happiness?" Because perfectionist, like perfectionism, overachievement is really hard because it creates a toxic cycle. You actually do create, you know, textbook perfect life and you can become really successful in your job. You can get, you know, married to a great person. You can have like the nice house and make lots of money, but then like there comes a point where your body, you know, whether that's like mentally or physically, is like, this isn't, this is so unaligned with us. Yeah. And then you have this like breaking point. And I hope that other people can kind of reevaluate the list they're creating in the boxes they're checking off before they get to that point. Because, it's almost like for me this last year, like I had to start my life over again. Like I had to rebuild it from the ground up. And as much as that's an opportunity, I wish I would, I could have done that, you know, more slowly and, and like in a more gentler way, it was very abrupt for me. Like, whoa, I've created this life. And like, are these even things I want? Like, where are my passions? Where are my hobbies? Where are the things that bring me joy? I could have made, what if, what if that never happened? And I spent my whole life still creating this external facade just to feel love and acceptance from people.
0: Well, and I think, you know, what's, what's coming through right now in real time, now that we're talking about this is, and you and I have talked about the body connection, right. But I I do really feel like we are so disconnected from our bodies as a society, as a whole, right. Maybe not Mm -hmm. everyone, but I think a lot of people either don't know how to pay attention to what's going on in their bodies or ignore it. And then you get these life rock bottoms and then you get these experiences that happen, right? And we'll we'll jump into this piece around like, what is a midlife crisis versus an awakening, a midlife awakening? Because if we were listening to our bodies, if we were listening to our intuition or even knew how to access that, I don't think we would have these like massive things that happen for you like everything that you guys went through last year. And for me, I don't, you know, I, I I, probably could have seen signs leading up. I don't know. My might've looked a little bit different for me, but mine was definitely at the beginning of motherhood and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, this piece around, yeah. I don't even know where I first learned the term midlife crisis, but all I know is that there was always a negative stigma attached to it. Like it always, is. like always this. And and for some reason it always falls on women, which I find is interesting. Like it's mm. like the women have the midlife crisis, or at least that was my experience mm-hmm. was, was how I first understood it. But talking with you, you know, and and talking about this piece around like, well, well, what if we looked at it rather as like a midlife awakening, right? And mm-hmm. and there's very different pieces involved in that, you know, because when we think about a midlife crisis, there's something that can happen here if we're not aware, and that is something happens within us, or we're starting to notice these signs that something isn't working, and so we continue to keep numbing, running away distracting ourselves, staying disconnected versus we start to notice these things showing up within ourselves, something isn't in alignment. And we choose to, in terms of a midlife awakening, go inwards, open Absolutely. open up, dig into it, listen, feel, heal, whatever is there, right? Get into alignment, connect back to our power. And I think it's such a great way to Flip the script on this, because mm. I think a lot of people are experiencing this, and I would say a lot of women especially. And it's actually an opportunity rather than a sentencing, if that makes yeah, sense.
1: Absolutely, I like that rather than a sentencing. Yeah. Well, and I think having perfectionistic tendencies, you create this repetitive cycle because you do see success with it. Right. So you're like, well, no, like if we, we just got to push harder and then we'll just start numbing on the side because of those like feelings and that disconnection with our body, like look at some of the biggest CEOs in the world or celebrities, like, you know, they just keep going and keep going. And then, you know, they're numbing with alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, because like they're not tuning in. Whereas, and that's like the crisis piece almost like you keep, you just keep repeating it because it has shown success in the past. So it can't be that. It has to just be something else. Whereas the awakening is really, you see all the pieces of your life and rather than just like rebuilding them back to how it all was, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what of these pieces do we want to keep? And which ones are we trading out? Mm-hmm. And how can we redefine and like recalibrate our life that actually authentically speaks to us and aligns with us, not externally. So I love that you said that. It's, it's really... Stop focusing externally, which I would say is still more the crisis, right? Like, I'll just buy a fancy car and people will then love me more, right? Mm-hmm. It's like going inward. And I, I think it's really interesting too, because I think when people are at that crossroads and they want to go inward and make some really big changes that are sort of against the grain there is so much pushback from the people in your life. Like when I was like, I'm going to take some time off work. I'm going to move to a city I've never lived in before. The judgment that I faced really that had no impact on other people, but because it made them question their own lives. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're doing that? You have this perfect career. How could you take a break? What if something happens? It was all, it was like, so I think it's also like another tip is like just be careful who you share that stuff with because you will be affected by people's opinions, right? And if if you're still kind of meandering, you know,
0: slowly down this new path, like you have to protect that almost yeah. in a way, yeah. Well, protecting your peace, right? Yeah. And you know, the other piece when I hear you saying that is this 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 idea around projections, right? And and we're human; we all project, but I think it's also being trying to be very aware that we're all viewing our own realities through our own lenses, if that makes sense, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and so like you said, you telling someone what you're doing, they're going to react based on what is right for them, (laughs) and what is right for their experience and how that affects them.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: so so it's important that you were able to be able to remind yourself of that right like it really had nothing to do with you oh yeah you you know yeah but like I had the awareness
1: to see that because I'd already done so much work whereas a lot of people who are feeling this and maybe haven't dug into you know like somatic psychology and all this other stuff like would be like oh yeah. Like, what am I doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Back to, back to the list, back to the list, back to the list. And I don't know, like life is just so precious. Like I heard this quote once, like people would rather live disappointed than feel disappointment. Mm. Right. Like we'd rather just live mundane lives that are like to the script rather than risk anything. Right. But it's just like, life's too short for that. Yeah. Well, and maybe, maybe that segues us really well into some strategies and kind of tips, tricks, uh, as to, you know, how to become more aware and how to begin sort of like reprogramming yourself. If, if this is, if you're at sort of this crossroads and you're feeling like unfulfilled in pieces of your life and you're wondering, like, I followed the recipe, like, what's going on? My banana bread is not turning out the way it said it was supposed to uh, from, from our own experience.
0: I mean, first off I don't bake. So uh, <laughs> I don't.
1: you still got to taste do. my cinnamon buns. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm the worst in the kitchen. I will fully <laughs> own that. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you're listening and this, this connects for you, I want to start off by saying that we always have a choice and we are really taught and conditioned in our society when some of these pieces show up to push away, to resist. There are so many different vices that are constantly kind of thrown in our face to allow us to numb and distract and disconnect and push away, go on a trip numb out on your phone i feel like sometimes i can go on instagram and it's like what is real here you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so i just want to say that if you're listening and this resonate resonates for you know that you do have a choice here and that this is a really beautiful opportunity for you to dig into whatever is showing up yeah and so when i think about, how I started to do this, because really my awakening happened. And and I've talked about this many times when I became a new mom, my awakening really happened after I had Max and I was forced open. I did not have a choice. I did have a choice. I could have gone down the path of numbing and distracting, but, but I really felt deep, deep, deep in my bones that I had to dig into whatever was coming up. And so mm. I would say that the first piece would be to slow down. If you can even take one or two things out of your schedule just to slow down, I would say that that's like number one, the most important piece. And that's something I've also really began to do again lately. And I think this will be something that I share coming up here, as I start to build more insight around what it is that I have been experiencing, but I have really had to slow down again, in this past month or so. And honestly, it's hard to do because you have all the stories coming up saying don't slow down you have the you have the to-do list today you have to get things done you got to make money you got to do all of that achieving and 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 all of it. but when we can begin to do this, wow what I hear there too is I think especially with like
1: perfectionist it's actually a defense mechanism to stay busy mm-hmm. right because in yes. stillness is where, those feelings of actually I'm not happy, actually I'm not fulfilled, actually I don't feel loved. That's when those start to creep up, right? When when there's silence, when you're by yourself. So right away back to like d- like you know tidying up the kitchen and doing whatever errands and da-da-da-da. Because in stillness, like I would say majority of people don't actually sit and take time to reflect, meditate, whatever your vice is to do that. Like mm-hmm. until this year, it was just, like, while I was doing stuff, I could hear constant chatter in my head, like, oh, like, you're not enough, you're you're still not loved, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. But, like, that love, that all of that stuff never came.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because,
1: like, we're constantly searching for it externally or numbing by staying busy or numbing with other
0: things so that we don't have to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Again, and and that comes up for me too. For me, it's like, oh, grab your phone, go do this, go do that. When it's like, it it's very. You have to be very conscious of yes of it when it comes up because yeah. it's very sneaky. It is, and I
1: think you. The other piece you bring up that I want to touch on in more depth is something I've noticed is that if internally you are not meeting your own needs. So like if you have a need to feel loved and valued and you are constantly going externally. So you said people, you know, who numb out on social media, maybe you have like thousands of followers and you get thousands of comments a day that are like, you're so beautiful. You're so great. Mm. And I would say for anyone who has that tendency, ask yourself, like, why do I still not feel loved if all of these people are telling me how great I am, how you know, great. I look whatever it is. It's because like, you will constantly be chasing your, your tail. If you are not giving yourself what you need and you are only looking externally for it, you will never meet your need. Ever. Yes. You will be in a constant, a constant battle, a constant, like, you know, longing for more, you'll never reach it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people go externally for a lot of their needs and un- unmet needs, I should say, because we think like externally is where we get them. It's not, it's your body saying, We need to validate ourselves. And once you start doing that, actually the external world will meet you there too. Mm -hmm. And you see this all the time with like social media influencers and all of that. And I'm not saying all of them, obviously I'm not painting a brush here, but there's a lot where, you know, you still feel empty, but thousands of people could be fawning over you. It's because the one person that's not is yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
1: And I think, you know, if a strategy there is really around like neural reprogramming and some great people in that space are like Lacey Phillips, Joe Dispenza, you got to dig below that. Like Mm. externally, you'll never fill your bucket. It's it's you. And so, and you can't just say, okay, today I'm going to talk nicer to myself. I'm not going to put myself down. It doesn't work like that. You have to go back and feel like, why do I feel like, invalidated why do I not love myself where did I pick that up from and Mm -hmm. actually like do like some crazy like neural reprogramming work to to fix that thought pattern because it's cyclic it will continue to repeat itself you have probably been practicing those same thoughts those same like saying those same things to yourself for 20 years Mm -hmm. you don't just break it in a couple of days of saying like you're so great looking in the mirror it doesn't happen
0: yes yeah and yeah, yeah. and for anyone listening if if you're like well where do how do i even start with any any of this I would say start to make a practice of checking in with yourself right yes of connecting within yourself like what's going on with me start Mm -hmm. to ask questions get curious and and start to build that awareness of like what are your triggers what are the emotions that you're feeling on a deeper level and then right you can and and I love that you brought up Lacey Phillips she was she She has changed the game for me because Mm -hmm. when I was in the thick of it, I came across her work and and her work with reprogramming our deeper beliefs and and helping to build that self-worth within ourselves. Like she was foundational for me and you and I have started to do Joe Dispenza's work, also amazing. So those would be some places to start in terms of like building that awareness within yourself, practicing checking in with yourself each day. I would also like to say and and this has been a journey for me of course but trying to find different professionals that can support you through all mm-hmm. of this you know and this doesn't always have to be the traditional counselor or therapist this could be I've I've gone to energy healers I've gotten reiki you and I have recently started going to somatic therapists and so there are different types of professionals that can really help and support you on your journey, but do not try to do this stuff alone. If, if there's one thing I can say, it's you need to have somebody more than just a friend that you can unload on. You don't want to be just unloading on a friend. you know like you and I were able to talk about so much, but we also need to have other forms of support where you nice. can where you can get that clarity and, and get that you know deeper connection to help yeah. you move through some of these pieces. And I would say if
1: this podcast is resonating for you because you have perfectionist or overachiever type tendencies, seeking help and support will be extra hard for you yes. because you, you have, you know, lived your life thinking I'm all I need. I can do everything because having someone else do something, having someone else for you is almost like admitting failure in some way, but it is not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's just put that out there. Like if anything, it's, it's super courageous and it shows like your commitment to wanting to, to really heal yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, just, if anyone is going to maybe look at Joe Dispenza's work, I'd recommend starting with the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which Literally is kind of what I just talked about, about that loop, that repetitive loop that you've built for decades and decades, how you actually break that because it's based in psychology and science and understanding how your brain works, how your body works, how they're connected, and how you can't just talk your way out of that. Mm -hmm. It's literally reprogramming like neural circuitry in your brain so that you actually have, you actually stand a chance at overcoming some of these tendencies that now as an adult are probably toxic and actually holding you back from the life
0: that you want to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His work is, is amazing. And you know, you and I, we've been doing the meditations and stuff lately And it's just so interesting. This can be something maybe we talk about in the future, but just our bodies, right? And and creating that experience because our body is the first form of language in a sense for us. It will always tell us first what's going on. But if you have had trauma, which I I can connect with this, we learn to to disconnect, to disassociate from our body. So we don't always hear, or we often don't notice or hear these things when they're showing up within us saying something is not right here. Something is not in connection here or is not working. And Mm so, yeah, maybe that's another piece too, is like starting to create a better connection with your body as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, if this if this episode helped you or you have any questions or you want to dig more into anything going on within you, you can always contact Tess or I on social media. On Instagram, you can find Tess at her unearthed as well as on TikTok as well. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can find Christina at Christina.soulempowered and yeah if this episode helped you guys please leave a rating leave a review it really really helps because it allows these episodes to get out to other people as well well thanks thanks everybody have a great day